0: Welcome to Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Here is your host, David Ponraj, founder and CEO of Economic Impact Catalyst.
1: Welcome, Danny McDonald, to our Breaking Down Barriers podcast. Thank you, David. Pleasure to be here. All right, so Danny, start by telling us a little bit about how you got into this field and a little bit about your work.
2: Yeah, so I'm very, very, uh, not a traditional story in banking at all. Most of the time to be a loan officer for small businesses, you have to be in banking for like 10 years, starting from like in the branch, working on your way to credit, then getting into sales. I kind of skipped all that and jumped straight into it. And part of the reason is because I uh, went to the University of Tampa, I got my MBA there, I got my concentration on entrepreneurship. I started working in an the incubator there. And I just started just helping small businesses and student startups as much as I can. I started specializing in pitching, but then I started making connections with local boutique investors in the community. And I started becoming this middleman and in connecting investors to these student companies so they can actually grow. And uh, a local uh, nonprofit accelerator caught wave of that. And I literally then went straight from there I turned down a like big corporate job to go this go do this like nonprofit local like support small business entrepreneur uh, support organization and I was like I'll give this a shot and I got addicted I got addicted to the small business owner the story of what it takes for someone to go from an idea to an MVP to getting your first dollar of revenue to growing your company raising money and exiting and bringing millions of dollars to your local into yourself as an individual well. And I just got addicted to just wanting to meet those entrepreneurs every single day, listening to their story, and I just, I loved it. And I got involved with the community as much as possible. Startup Week, Startup Weekends, a bunch of like pitch events, as well as local entrepreneur support organizations, not just the one I was working at. And eventually, I actually joined one of the tech startups. Um, They recruited me, I got a little piece, we helped grow it, and we exited it, and it was a lot of fun, uh, and I was kind of thinking I was going to stay in tech, but I will be transparent. I wasn't probably as good at my position as I wish or thought I was, which was like technology sales, and then after a mutual contact, I met someone who worked at a bank, and he's like, have you ever heard of an SBA loan? And I said, well, I worked, when I worked at a nonprofit, we used to apply for SBA grants. <laughs> and that was my only experience with it. And then I started learning what an actual SBA small business loan is. And I thought, you know what? Let me do some research. I well, On LinkedIn, out of 1,000 SBA loan officers, um, I connected with, like, three of them. And I spoke with them every single day, did research for two months. And I thought, you know what? I can do this. This job includes supporting the local small business owner, providing them with capital, which was what I was doing when I was working in investment, giving them advice on how to grow their business, and educating them on tools that can can actually benefit and help grow their business. I got, and all of a sudden I can be a piece uh, of a valuable tool to every single one of these small companies to help be a part of their story, to grow and be successful, and and bring individual wealth to them and their family and their employees. I got addicted, and so I ended up joining SBA, small business lending, I've been doing it for three years now, I ran the PPP program under a bank, did about $120 million in PPP loans, and now I've already officially analyzed over $200 million in SBA loans, anything to help um, from acquiring a business, working capital, debt refinance, acquiring a building, whatever you can think of, the SBA product is out there for every small business owner in America, and my passion is to help everyone know that this tool is out there. And specifically, my little niche, I'm bilingual, uh, I'm half Peruvian, and I would love to educate Latino entrepreneurs about this product because there's an extra layer of distrust between the hardworking Latino entrepreneur in America and the banking system. So that's me. That's my passion. I live and breathe this every single day, and I absolutely love what I do.
1: So much to unpack here. <laughs> I, I love this. and. It's also remarkable how our journeys were similar like you probably started on this about the same time we started our business Mm -hmm. and it's come like this full circle where we're like now connected Uh, one of the things that stood out to me when you first started talking about this is how little is known about the possibilities for a business to grow through this sba product yeah right could you kind of help us understand why this is like the best kept secret
2: (laughs) I think it's a pretty good secret, and I do think every small business owner in America should know it exists because I feel like there's so much education on raising capital. You know, you have all these big, awesome uh, investors that are, like, very, they're on Shark Tank, and they just want to invest in in companies, and every small business owner at a young age is like, I need to go raise money, which is great, and I totally believe that it needs to exist. But at the same time, some people don't want to give up equity and they still want money. So what do you do? And you can go to a bank and try to get a traditional loan, but most of the time they want a lot of collateral, they want you to bring a lot of money down, and it becomes a, more of a challenge and they think that product isn't for the small business, that product is for your local S&P 500 company or your big law firm uh, that, that's, that's been growing. And the truth is, is that's not true. There's a product design, by the government called the Small Business Administration, (SBA), and they provide small business loans that give banks and uh, finance organizations um, a guarantee on the loan to that mitigate the risk which uh, then allows them to fund everything from a business acquisition, which is very unique, and a lot of these startups don't know that they can acquire a business, to working capital, to debt refinance if they got bad debt, all the way to acquiring a building, inventory, whatever you th- think of. And every single small business has up to $5 million exposure to this program. And the ask is very simple. You can show me the cash flow to pay back the loan, and you have a good character, and you have a good story. There's a good probability that you can qualify for this. And I think there's a lot of unique things you can do about that. And one of the coolest things, that I think every single small business that I ever coached had no idea that they could go out and Buy your company for 10% down and you can combine their financials and your financials to pay back the money. and that to me is just enterprise value that is just sitting out there for all these small business owners that have no idea it exists to help take a shortcut to grow their company and really provide equity to then one day sell it off so I'm very passionate about educating everyone about this product and I think there's a lot of cool things do. Wow.
1: Let me reiterate what you just said. So with just 10% down, you can get up to $5 million, right, to be able to go buy another company where you can combine both of their assets,
2: mm-hmm.
1: both of their books, and be able to double or whatever, you know, triple
2: your your company size. Yeah, here. I can give you an example. Yeah. So um, something has been getting really popular, right, because the stock market is all over the place. Real estate is very high. People are like, where do I put my money? And one of the cool unique things I've been seeing a lot of my clients do, they're researching, I don't, I don't want to use this term, but the, this is their words, boring companies, right? <laughs> so companies that have been in your local community forever, right? And here's an example, a dog boarding company. Probably some. a lot of it are tied to land, uh, mostly in rural areas. And they've been probably these lifestyle companies for these families for years, and they don't really know how to exit it. So all of a sudden, if you approach them and you say, would you be willing to sell your company? More than likely, they would say yes. And a lot of it comes with real estate as well. And all you need to do is kind of, you can not just acquire a company, we can add working capital to the loan to give this real estate a facelift, new branding, maybe some SEO into a website, which is what a lot of these younger entrepreneurs know. And at the same time, uh, you can also, then um, go get some turnkey software solutions. You don't have to build your own software, but something as simple as like adding cameras, giving the ability for owners to give their dog a treat, uh, remotely through a camera while they they, they leave the dog there. Now you've created so much more value. You're taking a a company that already has active clients, you can increase the prices because you're offering a better product, and the clients will actually probably want to pay it because it's a better product, And overnight, you now have acquired a company, for 10% down, you've acquired 100% of it, you've made it better and operated for a year, increased revenues by 20%, increased EBITDA and margins by 30%. You now have a higher enterprise value than than when you purchased it, and you're creating real value in your community and for yourself by building up this wealth and guess what? You can rinse and repeat it <laughs> and do it as much as you can. So now you can create a portfolio to $5 million in loans, but maybe create somewhere between 8 to $9 million in enterprise value within a three-year, four-year frame, because you found this niche or you found this opportunity for all these companies that aren't innovating or they're not in the game and we're not excited to, to, to really market and grow their business anymore. And I think those are huge opportunities that we're seeing in our local communities across America. So I've got two questions as a
1: follow-up, but before I go there, uh, we have a national and international audience, so let's just think about the U.S. audience here. Where can they find this resource in their community, right? Because SBA is national. How, yeah. let's say I'm in Dallas or Denver or Detroit, mm-hmm. how do I find my counterpart like you in that market?
2: Sure, so I mean, locally, you usually wanna start straight with your local bank or your okay. local credit union, do you use, you wanna ask them if they have a SBA loan officer. If you want to go look up the top 100 SBA banks in, in America, that list is public and you can pick whichever one of those you'd like. Uh, I also work a little bit uh, locally as well as other states with uh, Listo SBA. Okay. Uh, Listo SBA is L-I-S-T-O-S-B-A dot com. And we're more than happy to see if we can help. But I also encourage you, if you'd rather stay in your local community, to to go there, but yes, they are offered nationwide across the United States. Now, for international, I'm not too familiar with the loan system international. But what I am familiar with, and this is a little project I'm working on right now, is there's a lot of companies internationally that have gained great wealth, that have companies that do millions of dollars in revenue, and they have millions of dollars in real estate because they have this company for years in these major metropolitan cities throughout Latin America, Asia, Africa, wherever you you name it. And uh, this is a real story. Um, A company wanted to sell, right, in Mexico. And someone told them, no one's going to buy your company. No one in America is going to buy it because Mexico's corrupt. And ever since then, they never lifted a finger to try to sell their company again. And I met with them, and I asked them, so what's your exit plan? And they said, we don't have an exit plan. We're hoping our kids will eventually take over the company. If they don't, it's just going to fizzle out, and maybe we'll sell their real estate one day. And I was like, that's, that's insane. That's absolutely insane. And it kind of breaks my heart to hear that because there's all these like great families uh, and, and entrepreneurs worldwide that have no idea that they can sell their company. And the truth is, is if you can find someone who's passionate about helping uh, and this is something that I'm offering as well, is put together a perspective. Like, like put together all your the, your story, how you built your company, why you think it's difficult to recreate it, what value do you bring, and then work with these larger institutions, like JP Morgan that have PE divisions dedicated to your market, and try to sell your company. And all of a sudden, now we're trying to work up a 20 to $25 million deal that trying to liquidate your company and sell it, that's gonna kind of change their lives. And they never would have thought that this could ever happen. And all it took was a month of work. So I think that's another good thing for your international clients to know that if they are ever interested in building up their company and potentially exiting it, don't be afraid to also reach out to some of these like uh, finance consultants in America that would love to connect you, some of these mega banks, and see if they would be really interested in acquiring your, your your company. Wow.
1: I wanna quickly just go back to listo sba.com will have this in the show notes so if people want to find it they can find it Uh, i have two tangential questions this podcast is called breaking down barriers and one of the unique things about you is that i think jody or somebody mentioned to me that you had actually posted your uh, information in linkedin in spanish and a lot of sba advisors don't go that far can you talk to us about your passion for helping underrepresented communities and some of the programs that might be geared towards them?
2: Yes, yeah, so uh, that's actually great you say that. So, um, just to prove, I'm half Peruvian, I learned Spanish. My last name doesn't give it merit, but uh, I do really love the Spanish community. And I think something very important to know is that the American dream is still very much real. There are immigrants that come here to this country And have a dying passion to start a business and grow it, and maybe one day sell it. Well,
1: we're one of those. So I'm an immigrant from India.
2: Yes, congratulations. (laughs) And I would love to be a part of your story. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But it's it's happening every single day. And my niche is the Latino entrepreneurs because I grew up with them, and I've seen uh, entrepreneurship. Whenever I go to Peru, every corner there's street vendors selling fruit. Uh, There's kids selling gum. And it's because they have this hustle mentality that they just learn to sell at an incredibly young age while we're out, you know, in school. And so um, I, when they grow up to be adults and they come to America, they want to sell anything they can get their hands on. And so uh, I definitely think there's a big disconnect and with the Latino entrepreneur uh, that comes to America. And they, their English isn't that good. And all of a sudden, even the Latino like business officers aren't really like marketing themselves in Spanish. And so I think there's a really big disconnect in how much content out there can be converted to Spanish to educate all these Latino entrepreneurs. Because I've had, just from that, that post you said, um, there's someone who is connected to every single small business loan officer nationwide. And he said he, in his entire career, he's never seen a recap of the year in Spanish like that. And it came from me, of guys whose last name is McDonald's. And that actually generated about six million dollars in leads. um, Wow, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) including us getting connected. Yeah, and and all it took was one LinkedIn post.
1: That's what I noticed, and that's when I messaged you. And Jody said, "I know you." (laughs) So it was that. Yeah, absolutely. That was so powerful for you to make those those posts, and you know, it really resonates with the audience. Yeah,
2: and absolutely. And I, 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 my my biggest message I just want to say is like, hey. There are people out there who care about you and your business. Like If the numbers make sense and you see an opportunity for a loan for you to raise capital, not give up equity, but you can grow this company so it develops enough cash flow to pay back the loan, there's people who are willing to work with you in your own language and help you feel comfortable throughout the whole process. And I think that's so important. And um, even though I finance throughout the whole state of Florida, I would say about 40% of my clientele is Fort Lauderdale and Miami. And the and the reason being is that Latino hunger to just like go out and create small businesses. And then when you combine those two metropolitan markets, not not individually, but when you combine those two metropolitan markets in Miami Fort lauderdale that's one of the number one uh, small business activity in America right now. So, wow. And it's just growing like crazy.
1: Yeah, we've heard those rumors, you know, and we see it in the news, but that's huge validation. Uh and shout out to one of our clients who's also Uh, helping that, which is the Nova Southeastern University Mm -hmm. and the work they have done around entrepreneurship uh, in the last three years. Uh, I want to touch on one other topic, a slightly philosophical topic around wealth creation. Mm -hmm. The reason why you go into business is for wealth creation for your families. And a lot of the times, you know, these smart strategies are not really in the forefront of people advising. Can you kind of talk through what are other resources available for small businesses Uh, especially from underrepresented communities, for us to be able to take advantage of, like, I didn't even know about this, and I'm in this space, yeah, right? Like, how do we better educate ourselves? What else is out there for us?
2: I think a lot of that's kind of our job. Our job is to, like, get this messaging out there, get more content out there. I think um, we haven't, like, the whole community hasn't tapped into YouTube yet, and that's, I think, going to be huge. Um, Just doing these great educational videos that they're not telling you like what the SBA website tells you. They're telling you, here are real-world examples and real-life businesses. We're gonna strip the names out and to show you exactly how this company went from like getting a $200,000 SBA loan to one day getting listed on the stock exchange. And so um, that's kinda, I think, the type of content we need to start producing, and need to start putting out there so that people can see actual real-world examples. But other organizations that are fantastic um, a big shout outs to Score and to SBDC. These are free business consultants who are uh, veterans, who have been who sold multiple businesses, who've invested in businesses, and they're free. They're completely free. And it just it, it, it's kind of crazy I'll see people spend thousands of dollars for a consultant on that has no idea what they're talking about, and there's these free local consultants in your community that are willing to come to your office, have lunch with you and and die for you, basically, in your business and and help you grow and accomplish your dreams and create wealth for you and your employees.
1: Yeah, and so every market has a SCORE and an SBDC. Every single one. Yeah, and you can go to, I think, sbdc.org and Mm -hmm. I think score.org, and and we'll put those links in there. Uh, It's also uh, uh, groups that I've taken advantage of, uh, you know, the Pinellas County SBDC, uh, and we're connected with the SCORE uh, chapter here as well. When you think about... uh, going a little bit deeper into if a business wants to uh, get access to this kind of financing can you talk a little bit about like what they need to have prepared Mm -hmm. so that they can actually jump start this process
2: yeah so um it really depends on whether you're a startup a newer business or you've been around for a while but in the end the biggest thing that you're going to need to prepare are financials right Mm -hmm. so get your tax returns ready get your income statements ready know them Try to see if there's any one-time expenses on there, so then you can kind of tell your story on what you're seeing in the financials. If you're a startup or a newer business, and let's just say you don't cash flow historically, we do allow um, loans to be based on projections. But I think this is my favorite part of the whole process for these companies: is what's the story? Tell me why I should believe these projections. That so you didn't just go to Excel. Right, what you're a little savvy. You said, oh, I'm going to get a 1.3 times EBITDA to debt ratio because that's what the Excel chart says. No, no, no. Tell me what's it going to take to hit these revenue numbers, why are these expenses believable, and that these EBITDA numbers are for real. And sometimes the best way to do that, provide uh, LOIs, provide contracts. Show me exactly how you change your business model and the traction you're starting to get. And once you are able to tell that story to your loan officer and they can communicate that story to the analyst and to the credit manager who's voting on your loan, then all of a sudden there is something there. There's substance. And I do believe that that is a big disconnect in a lot of these small business owners. And they say, there's been so many times I've met someone who said, I've been to three banks and they all turned me down. And I'd say, okay, give me your projections. And I asked three questions about the projections and they had no idea how to answer it. I was like, well, yet turned down because they looked at your projections, they read your business plan, and they didn't care to ask you a question. My job is to get you to critically think about what you're preparing and to show that these are believable numbers because we are also in the best interest of not giving you a loan if you're not ready for it. If you need to show me a little bit more traction in the market and maybe experience some of those pains, but show me that this is an actual viable projection, then an institution will say, not now, come back later. But I think that's a big messaging that doesn't get communicated a lot whenever people get turned out for a loan. Wow. Can you
1: give me a couple success stories? I know you're given some examples of like, you know, yeah. buying like a dog boarding house. Can you give us a couple success stories of businesses that have gone on to create wealth for their
2: families? Yeah, there's so many. Um, some of our favorite ones, we did a small loan like four or five years ago of like $150,000 for this like online publishing company. Um, and then all of a sudden they started realizing, wait a second, we need to start using data. Um, and they started using data to start selling their, their new um, like online uh, publishing books that they were doing. And then they started growing tons of revenue. And then they came to us and they're like, we want $500,000 of working capital. We're like, well, what are you gonna do with that? We're going to buy a lot of staff and have them write books and have them, uh, and we train them and, and what we know. And then we were like, okay, how long is that gonna take you to hire everyone? And then start seeing an ROI. They're like, maybe six, eight months to hire them all, train them up, get them all running. And they're like, well, out of curiosity, I never thought about acquiring a company. They're like, what do you mean? It's like, Why don't you go find someone who's in your space that has trained staff that know your space already, that have existing clients with real revenue, you buy them out, and all you have to do is just sprinkle your secret recipe that you already know, and then you've eliminated six months of training. Oh, and by the way, if you were to do that working capital loan and train everyone, and you experience a 20% turnover, that's detrimental to a company. You have to go back, rehire, retrain, get them back up to speed. This is a turnkey solution. Oh, and by the way, it's only going to cost you 10% down. So they're like, oh. All of a sudden, this company started acquiring one, two, three, companies for four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand, and their revenues went up to over ten million dollars in within three years. And now uh, they're a huge success story, and they're getting highlighted. And that company, that that family's life has definitely changed. They're living in a much better home now, yeah. and they uh, they're very proud of what they've done. And uh, we we actually maxed them out over to their five million dollar max as well. Um, there's been other cases too. Uh, something I, I I think I love sharing about the small business uh, product, in, especially in acquiring companies as well, there was a big like uh, Made in America campaign a couple years ago. I don't know if you remember yeah. Yeah. A lot of yeah. people say yeah. uh, not much came of it, right? Yeah. It was just like a little, little campaign. Yeah. Well, something that did come of it is a cool little SBA uh, incentive that if you are exporting a product or service in America or touches America, into any country uh, around the world, and this loan is gonna help you get more of those sales, and you can tell me which countries they are and how many dollars, that guarantee that I told you, right? Let's say you wanted to acquire a company for a million dollars, so that guarantee to the bank is 75%, so my risk exposure as a bank is 250,000. Well, just because you have that export experience, that guarantee goes to 90%. So now my exact same loan the bank's risk exposure is only $100,000. And the reason why this is important is that it makes it a lot easier to get your loan approved. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you can look at an institution and say you can do a million dollar SBA loan at only uh, at only $100,000 exposure around two fifty. dollars You can technically do $2 million in SBA loans and still have less risk exposure than that 75% guarantee at $1 million. So, um, but we were able to help out this company as well they worked with parts over in, in, in Miami. They did a lot of like water parts and they, they, they um, and like water processing plants. They sold parts to those plants and throughout Latin America and the, and the Caribbean. And we were able to help them acquire a company for 1.9 million. And just based on the ad backs alone, like they were able to pay off their loan and add another $180,000 in that income from day one, just because of the opportunity that came, the ordered of business valuation, everything looked well and the owners were paying themselves such a high salary, um, the, the sellers, that the, the buyers were like, we don't need to increase our salaries, we'd rather reinvest into the company. So all that salary went straight to the bottom line. Yeah, wow. Talk to us, uh,
1: as we kind of wrap this session up, a little bit about, in, in this day and age, you know, access to capital is still a really hard problem for underrepresented founders. And uh, for example, we're working on this program in Dallas with Morgan Chase called an Entrepreneur of Color Fund with the uh, Dallas Entrepreneurship Center. And we're finding that people of color and uh, Latino founders traditionally are kind of marginalized or there is a bias in the system against that. And with your unique perspective of being half Peruvian, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about how when you see this, do you help kind of level the playing field uh, beyond just a language barrier, like you know, are there traditional things that have held back people of color or BIPOC uh, owners that you're able to kind of
2: break through? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question and observation. Um, I'm only one part of the of the of the whole picture, right? I'm a small business owner. There's still investors out there. There's still boutique investors. There's still large investors. There's still investor groups. And just because you're not tech doesn't mean you don't qualify for those. If you have a good story, good branding, good uh traction, any single one of these firms would be open to meet with you, even if they only have a history with tech. So I think part of it is kind of on the entrepreneur to be like, you need to go and be in front of all these organizations and know that you're here, right? And then all of a sudden two years go by and they see how much you've grown, they're gonna start taking you a lot more serious. Uh, But the other thing is also on us as the actual people with the capital to provide these. There's no excuse for us to not be involved with any of these type of founders. And I think a lot of it is guiding them through the process, getting them connected to SCORE, getting them connected to SBDC, getting them connected to the local passionate uh, advisor in your community who's helping them in any sort of way whether it's networking or whether it's it's assessing their financials or, or trimming out expenses. They need to be connected to all those organizations. So it's kind of a two-fold answer. I think that the entrepreneur needs to show some effort and then the bankers, the SBDCs, the scores, whoever need to get in front of them and start guiding them throughout the whole process. Because some of my favorite stories are the ones where we turn down the loan based on uh, your financials, right? You're not there yet. But if you are able to increase your revenue by this much, trim out some of these expenses, all of a sudden you will have the net income to afford this property, to afford this business acquisition, whatever it may be. And they come back, they, they come back to me a year and like three months later and we were able to do a $700,000 loan uh, to them to acquire a company and flush them with $200,000 in working capital because they listen to us, and we connect them to SCORE and SBDC, and they listen to them. And I think a lot of that is the willingness to learn while also providing them into the correct resources, and not someone who's just going to tell them, go watch this YouTube video. Yeah. No, no. How about we dissect these financials and yeah. ask you some real questions and see how you react so then we know you're not ready yet until you know these financials and know what to do in the next two, three years.
1: Wow. This has been so insightful. Uh, As we wrap up, if they want to, if our audience wants to directly get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
2: Sure. Um, My email is Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, at listospa, L-I-S-T-O-S-P-A dot com. I would love to talk to you any way I can and give you straight, honest feedback. Um, We do Zooms, we do phone calls, we do lunch. (laughs) We do anything like that. And um, what I'm happy to say is we, we I'm, I'm very proud to say that we help those Latino entrepreneurs. We help every entrepreneur. And we help them throughout the state, the, the state. We help them throughout the nation. And then something that I'm really starting to get passionate about as well is helping those businesses that are well-established internationally that never thought about selling their company, you know, reach out as well. Because guess what? There, there, there probably is a path for you to, to actually um, to actually sell your company and you can liquidate the enterprise value that you've done to, because you and your family deserve it and your employees deserve it. And I think that's a really big message as well, so for your global listeners as well. But that's the best way to reach me, uh, at leastosba.com, S-T-A.com. Feel free to reach out and chat. i also very active on LinkedIn. You're active on LinkedIn? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn's the one social media that everyone seems to forget, but guess what, there's people that make millions of dollars on LinkedIn just because they know how to harness yeah. uh, that platform and do real communication and yeah. find the right people, like us.
1: That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you today, and I'm hoping that as a result of this conversation, not only will small businesses be able to reach out, but also practitioners and providers that might want to partner uh, in
2: other markets. Yes, we, so, we love SBDC, we love SCORE, we work with consultants, everywhere um, that are, it's it's really cool to find that consultant and that advisor who is passionate. Yeah. Like, like they're like, okay, look, i dissected these financials and they're ready. And yeah. all of a sudden that is a much easier process to go with than someone who is just not there yet, but also being stubborn and not willing to listen uh, or not doesn't want to hear those questions, those critical thinking questions. Definitely challenge yourself to, you know, learn your financials and learn where you're going and how you're going to get there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, David. appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Special thanks to our renowned guests for joining us. You can find show notes, more episodes, send us ideas, and subscribe to our newsletter on our website, economicimpactcatalyst.com. Breaking Down Barriers is a presentation of Economic Impact Catalyst and is edited by Lauren Bernard. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Breaking Down Barriers, available for free wherever you listen to your podcasts.